Hello and greetings. Thank you for your interest in spiritual matters. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for the gift of spending time with us as we continue to explore what God has made known in His Word, that we can glorify Him more effectively. My name is Ethan, and I work with the Venice Church of Christ. We're disciples making disciples in Los Angeles. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, Paul encouraged Timothy to do his best to present himself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. If it is possible, as Paul is exhorting Timothy, to handle the word of truth rightly, it also means that we can handle it wrongly or handle it inaccurately. And to major challenge with preaching and teaching, that people can learn and be taught in ways that are right and glorify God, but also can be taught and learn what is not right and what does not glorify God, that they fall into what we might call spiritual errancy. And so today, let's consider what is spiritual errancy, how do we address our own errors, and how can we glorify God and how we address the errors of others. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this topic, love for you to reach out to us regarding what you think and challenges that you may experience in this area uh, as we uh, continue in our conversation today. When we talk about spiritual errancy, it just means areas in which we are in error, or somebody is in error, somebody who is not teaching consistently according to what God has made known in Jesus. And here's a challenging thing about error. In Romans 3 and verse 23, all of us have sinned, and all of us continually fall short of the glory of God. And one of the hard truths that we have to come to grips with is that we all most likely have error. There is not one of us who is most likely correct in every single thing they preach, teach, and believe about what God has made known in Jesus. That we all have to, in our humility, recognize that there are some things that we might be wrong about. And this is very uncomfortable for us. And it makes us wonder if we're the ones who are in error based upon the warnings of Scripture and things of that nature. Uh, but it's very important to recognize that whereas the apostles recognize that m people can be wrong for many reasons, uh, there is a distinction between uh, what we call the spiritually errant and the fact that all of us are most likely wrong on this or that. Uh, and we're going to see what that difference is. When we're talking about spiritual errancy. We're talking about uh, many times what happens when somebody is confronted with what they're teaching or doing that is wrong, uh, but also uh, where they've learned that, why they're holding on to it, all kinds of things are involved here. Uh, a major area of, uh, that can be errant is involving beliefs and teaching that uh, what one believes and teaches has consequence. There's a reason why in James chapter 3, uh, James warns that not many should be teachers because there's this higher standard of judgment. Because now you're not just uh, responsible for what you believe, but also for what you encourage others to believe. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, in 2 Peter chapter 2, in Jude 1, uh, we have passages where the apostles are very concerned about, the, about false teachers about those who come in and teach things that are wrong uh, in order to benefit themselves. 
In Galatians, uh, Paul's whole letter to the Galatians is uh, demonstrating his concern about what's going on with the Galatian Christians. They've so quickly uh, left the true gospel for this uh, so-called gospel that the, the quote-unquote Judaizers have been spreading. And uh, he did not think highly of these Judaizers and uh, wanted them to uh, go too far in their own teachings in a very vulgar way, in fact, uh, in Galatians 4 and in 5. In 2 John 1 and verse 11, John warns us that it's not even just about the fact that there are those who teach these uh, false doctrines, but that um, if you greet them, if you treat them as fellow brothers or sisters in the faith, you take part in their wicked works. Uh, That a lot of times what gives the oxygen to a lot of false teaching is the fact that the faithful people don't Uh, resist or oppose them, that they try to find a way to uh, maintain the connection with the person uh, and try to say, well, I... I, 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 lo- I think highly of them as a person, but I don't agree with these teachings. That can become very dangerous with many types of false teachings. And in fact, in both First and Second Timothy chapters 4, uh, Paul warned Timothy about the future apostasy, that there would become a time where people would fall prey to the doctrines of demons, that they would have itching ears to hear uh, what they wanted to hear. They would, would uh, heap up false teachers according to that purpose and turn away from what God has revealed in Jesus. So there's a lot of difficulty when it comes to belief and teaching uh, the things that are wrong and lead away from what God has done in Jesus. And the other major issue with spiritual errancy, of course, is in practice, uh, where we have people who are committing sin. Uh, so in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, there's a man who has his father's wife. And the Corinthians should have mourned, but they were exulting in their tolerance. And Paul said that you had to deliver such one over to Satan, uh, that he might learn to uh, turn away from that sin. And that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. That if you allow that kind of uh, thing to go on without any kind of chastisement or rebuke, uh, it's just going to lead to further ungodliness. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 3, uh, among Thessalon- Thessalonica, the, some of the Christians had stopped working. Uh, because they'd stopped working, they had become busybodies. They were not following the pattern that Paul had laid out for them, not just in what he said, but also in what he did. And that's what he was very concerned, that they would uh, not follow that uh, disobedient pattern. Uh, in Revelation chapter 2, in the church in Thyatira, there was Jezebel, the false uh, prophetess, and her forms of immorality that had uh, ensnared many. In First Timothy chapter 5, 19 and 20, Paul does warn that it, you, know, you should not receive a witness against an elder except by two or three witnesses, any kind of, you know, claim about any kind of immorality but those who are in error they are to be rebuked and in front of everybody that all would revere that all would uh, not fall prey to that kind of immorality Uh, the concern about false teachers also involves uh, concerns about uh, their practices that they teach falsely in order to accomplish uh, iniquity and to do evil things So then, we can have forms of errancy that involve one's teaching and preaching, and also forms of errancy that can involve one's practice. And we should not try to prioritize or hierarchize these two. 
Um, it is not as if it's okay that as long as you are teaching and preaching what is true, that the practice can become wrong, or that if the practice uh, is 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 okay, then we can accept some uh, wrong ideas. Uh, neither of them are justifiable, and both of them, uh, whether uh, a person is teaching truly but not practicing it and practicing what is wrong, or somebody is practicing what is right but not believing or teaching what is uh, right, that, that somehow we can commend either of those circumstances or find them in any way, shape, or form uh, justifiable. So what do we do when it comes to spiritual error? What do we do if we're the ones in spiritual error? Well, we need to have the humility to recognize that. And we need to have the willingness to turn from it, to repent, to change our hearts and minds, to follow after the way of God in Christ. We need to understand why We've come to these false ideas. Did we accept something we heard from our culture? Did we uh, take on something from a past tradition that had gone astray from what God has made known in Christ? And in all things, we need to anchor ourselves in the Word of God to understand what God has done in Christ and put ourselves in that position so that we're, we're, we're getting our instruction from the Lord through his apostles, from that we are uh, keeping our eyes on him, and to make that our focus. It's going to involve uh, confession. Uh, confession uh, in Greek is homologeo. It means to speak the same word as, and that's why it should be specific. We need to own up to, hey, I have been teaching this for years. Um, I've come to recognize that's not what's true. Or I've been doing these things that I shouldn't be doing, and I recognize that's not what I should be doing, and now I'm going to do uh, what is right. First uh, John 1 9, we absolutely need to make that confession before God, and it might need to be public in James 5 and verse 16, especially if it involves things that we have uh, said in public so that people will recognize uh, the importance of, of what's gone on and the fact that uh, perhaps if they have held on to such things, they also would need to change. Uh, if it is something that has been brought to our attention by a brother or sister in Christ, uh, we should be humble and patient and to recognize they're doing that out of love and not out of spite, uh, and following the commands of Galatians 6, 1 and 2 and James 5, 19 through 21. Um, it's normally, for, for those who love and respect one another, uh, it's a really hard thing to address uh, a difficulty like that. It takes a lot of courage to address a difficulty like that. We should be thankful for those who are willing to do that. Uh, those who seem to make it their life's mission to, to go on such uh, and to point out everybody's errors um, could use a dose of humility and to consider the challenges and difficulties they may have in their own lives first, following the exhortation of Matthew chapter 7 regarding judgment. Um, the important thing, though, is always that we maintain our fellowship with God in Christ. We cannot allow uh, false teachings or false practices to keep us from obtaining uh, life in the kingdom. We cannot uh, follow the ways of the evil one and the ways of Jesus. And so the important thing is to turn away from the ways of the world and darkness and to walk in the light as Jesus is in the light in 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. So that's what we are to do if we are the ones in error. But what do we do if we see others in spiritual error, if we see fellow Christians in spiritual error? Uh, Matthew 18, 15 through 17, what Jesus has to say about what somebody, when somebody uh, is um, done against us, if they have sinned against us, provides a good uh, paradigm for us if we're truly interested in somebody's correction. Uh, that we go to that person privately and point out the difficulty. 
and if they recognize that we have earned, we have gained our brother or sister back, uh, and, and if that doesn't work, that we we um, bring two or three witnesses that everything that we say is established in that conversation, and that if they will not do that, then we have to take it more publicly to the church, and um, if they will not listen to the church, we are to consider them as a Gentile and a tax collector. We'll talk about what that involves in a minute. And that's uh, how we should address if we see somebody in spiritual error. We should want to think the best of one another. Um, we need to recognize that we should not receive uh, claims except by one or two witnesses, two or three witnesses, excuse me, um, because uh, of the importance of, of the integrity of that uh, witness. And that our goal always is in love, that we're not doing it to... Um, one-up somebody, that we're not trying to just uh, seem superior, because all of us have are, are probably wrong somehow. All of us are probably struggling with various sins. Therefore, this is a matter where we're doing it in the concern about that person, that we really want that person to, to continue to follow Jesus, and that we are interested in their uh, condition before God. So if in any of those moments, the person who is in error is willing to listen, that's great. That's fantastic. That's exactly what we want to hear. But what happens when somebody doesn't and they persist in spiritual error? Well, as we saw here in Matthew 18, 17, we are to consider them a Gentile or a tax collector. Uh, those are groups of people that normally you didn't want to associate with. In Romans 16, and in verse 17, Paul appeals to the Roman Christians to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles, contrary to the doctrines that they had been taught, and to avoid them, or in other versions, to mark them. So marking or avoiding, to, to just have nothing to do with them. In 1 Corinthians 5, 11-13, those who are in various forms of iniquity were to be disassociated from, that we shouldn't eat, eat with such a one. Uh, in 2 Thessalonians 3, 14-15, they were to take note of those who were not following Paul's instructions and have nothing to do with them, but they were to be admonished as a brother, not as an enemy. And in 2 John 1, 9-11, that they should not receive anyone who doesn't teach the truth. That we need to maintain some relational distance from those who are practicing such errors. And we do that for the sake of both parties, uh, for them in as much as they recognize that we cannot accept them in full fellowship in the condition in which they find themselves, and to provide an encouragement to, to repent. And for us, that the, a little leaven doesn't leaven the whole lump, that we are not associated with people who are no longer in association with Jesus. And it should absolutely be a, a stead that, that we need to emphasize that not treating them as an enemy, that we still love them, we still want what's best for them. We want them to um, return to the ways of Jesus, that we do not uh, threaten violence or impose violence upon them, which has unfortunately been done in the past, that we do not uh, insult or deride them, that we, uh, again, we're not trying to make them into enemies, that they are brethren, brethren in error, that we want to see change, but they're brethren. And... Uh, the way of Jesus has never been coercive or manipulative, and we should not be coercive or manipulative in the way that we treat those whom we recognize are in spiritual error. And what's going to happen to people in spiritual error like that? 
Well, we want all of them to repent and to return to the fold. But in 2 Thessalonians 1, 6-9, those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, are going to suffer punishment. Uh, Hebrews 3, 12-14, 6-4-6, and 26-31, the Hebrews author warns the Christians that you can become a Christian, but if you turn away, if you fall away, if you turn away from the ways of God, that you are, there's a fearful expectation of judgment because you've kind of re-crucified the Son of God afresh. And there's no more sacrifice for sin. Uh, Peter, in 2 Peter 2, 20-22, will say that the, the latter situation is worse than the former situation. That it was better to have never known the ways of righteousness than to know it and then to turn from them. And so that's why we, we, we can't be ambivalent about those who are out. We definitely can't be indifferent for those who have fallen to spiritual air. That we don't want to... Um, be associated uh, with them. On the other hand, we that's why we need to create some distance, but we don't want to just act like they no longer exist and to no longer care about them. That we need to, in love, bring them back to the full and in, in terms of encouraging them to do what is right and never to give up on them. Um, it's, it's a very difficult thing to do, and it's a very hard thing. And it's very hard to say exactly how that should be done, because it's going to be dependent upon the circumstances, uh, about how we avoid them and yet find opportunities to encourage them. Uh, there's no one easy formula for that. But that's, there's a reason why in the New Testament both of those situations are imagined. That we have people that we need to mark and avoid. They're people we need to disassociate from. But we don't treat them as enemies. We treat them as brothers. And as we have opportunity, we try to encourage them to do what is right. And it needs to be uh, done because we are concerned for them, that we love them, that we're also concerned for one another. And so this is what uh, spiritual error is about. There's a lot of spiritual error out there. And we need to be careful about it. We need to uh, recognize that it's not just a problem with other people. It can be a problem with ourselves. And it's not even in just the fact that there is spiritual error out there. It's that there's a lot that says about our faith and how we treat error and how we treat those who are in error. And that's why we need to watch for ourselves, lest we also be tempted in Galatians 6 and verse 1. We need to test the spirits to see uh, what is consistent with God in Christ in 1 John 4, 1, and to put ourselves to that test in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. That we absolutely need to turn away from error wherever it may be found, and in every opportunity to turn to the ways of the Lord Jesus and to encourage others to do the same. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, hallowed be your name. We're so thankful for the blessings that you've given us in life. We're thankful for you and your covenant loyalty toward us and your love and care for Jesus and for the hope of salvation that we have in him, uh, for the spirit by which you strengthen us and the word by which we may come to know you. Uh, we are thankful for one another, for every material benefit that you've given us in this creation and every spiritual blessing with which you have blessed us in Jesus. We are mindful, Father, of those who are struggling with illness. We pray that you would heal them. We pray that you would strengthen and sustain all those who help provide healing. Uh, we pray that you would uh, provide justice and righteousness in this land and that you would be with all people, especially those who are in leadership positions, that they may uh, lead so that we may live in peace and tranquility to be able to glorify you. We pray that you would... Uh, comfort those who are grieving and mourning, those who are in distress, and you would strengthen them and provide for those who are in need. 
We recognize, Father, that there are many deceitful spirits out there and many who have fallen into various forms of error in their beliefs and in their practices. We pray, we understand, Father, that we still continue to struggle with various things. And we pray, Father, that in everything we may submit ourselves to the, your will in Jesus, that you would help us see the areas in which we are wrong in our, in our thoughts, in our deeds, in what we believe and teach as much as we practice, and that we would repent and you would strengthen us to repent and to no longer walk in those ways, that in everything we can glorify you. We uh, pray for those who find themselves currently in error, that they would be granted repentance to come to a knowledge of the truth and to be saved. And as we have opportunity, Father, we would have the opportunity to speak a word that reflects you and your purposes well, and that would help lead them back to what is uh, right and true in you. We pray, Father, that all will come to that knowledge of the truth and be saved, that we all can share in the uh, resurrection of life on that glorious day when your sons return, which, which, which we're looking for eagerly. In his name that we pray, amen. We're again so thankful that you've joined us. And this is a really tr difficult subject in a lot of ways. Uh, either there's too much emphasis on it or too little. It's uh, very easy to get harsh in this way. But we'd love to hear your thoughts and experiences. How can we deal with spiritual error? How do we deal with spiritual error in our own lives, in the lives of others? How can we best glorify Jesus in how we address matters of spiritual error? Both maybe in circumstances where it was done well, and maybe learning from some examples that were maybe wasn't handled so well. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that uh, by commenting where you found us here, uh, subscribing to us where you found us. Maybe you want to reach out to us at VenturesChristOfChrist.org or on social media at Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Um, we'd love to hear from you. If there's any way we can pray for you or be of service to you, we'd love to hear from you as well. Uh, let us know, and may the Lord bless and keep you until we're able to meet again.